Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Raising Gen Z, your resource for raising confident, thriving teens in today's complicated world. I'm Shira Myro, your host, and I'm a marriage and family psychotherapist and mother of two teen boys. We have a really special show today. It addresses one of the central struggles of adolescence, which is understanding defiance in your teen, and I might add how not to take it quite so personally when they are defiant. One of the most challenging and important developmental tasks of adolescence is what psychologists call individuation, which means becoming your own person. The separation of a teen's identity from that of his or her parents is a necessary process that helps them move from the dependence of childhood towards the independence of adulthood. As you probably have noticed, they've become more private or more focused on their peers for validation. They begin questioning limits and rules or just ignore your instructions. And this transition, while normal, is new and uncomfortable territory for both parents and their teens. And frankly, even mild resistance could feel like defiance, leading to feelings of frustration for us and resentment and guilt for teens. So here to help us navigate this complicated issue and give us some terrific perspectives and strategies is Ian Hogue. Ian is a psychotherapist, meditation teacher, and certified yoga instructor in private practice in Santa Monica. He specializes in brain spotting, trauma therapy, and mindfulness practice. He also has a particular specialty working with teens and their parents, and he has a treasure trove of wisdom to share with us. Ian, welcome to the show. Hi, Shira. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, so my first question is, what compelled you to focus on on teens and adolescents and defiance in particular? I mean, it's it's a very specific niche. Yeah, um, you know, I think part of it was just happenstance. The the training that I got happened to be at a adolescent treatment center, and so I kind of got thrown in the deep end. And you know, I found through that journey that I related a lot to what the teens were going through because I. I kind of struggled as a teen myself. I was kind of the young adult that was sort of a failure to launch in a way. And I think that what I learned through sort of my own personal experiences, you know, coming into my own adulthood and the struggles that I had, and then working with these teens was that I could really relate to them and I could really appreciate the struggles that they were going through. So I became interested in it even more so than just the fact that it was, you know, kind of something that I fell into. You know, and I noticed that, that it, was, it was a complicated process because you know, as teens going through their struggles, trying to differentiate, like you said, at the beginning of the, the, the podcast, and they're trying to kind of assert their own sort of sense of independence and who they are. At the same time, the parents are also going through this massive change as well because they've, they've got this kid that's turned into this teen. <laughs> and it's almost like having a whole new person. And it requires a different approach, I think, in the parenting. So I think in my process as a therapist and, you know, working with this population, I work a lot with the parents as well, too. I started to to want to do a lot more research on what's out there as far as research that helps and supports parents, not just the teens. And um, I realized that there's actually quite a bit. And I think that part of where that maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect that I, I felt was that there's a lot of, of good research around parenting styles and, and sort of effectiveness and, and effective outcomes for teens. But then there's, I didn't find a lot of programs that were teaching specifically what the research says. So I kind of got really excited about, well, you know, I have this expertise in working with teens. I've worked with the families, but then do the parents know all this research and how can I help kind of 
teach the parents these things. Oh my gosh, I, I have so many questions, but could <laughs> where do we start? But could you share a little bit about what the, the research is suggesting? Because I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we all notice it. The, as soon as they hit middle school and puberty, it, it feels... I know for many parents and families that I work with that their strategies or their approach just simply doesn't work. They're really grappling with this felt sense of disconnection from their child and, and they don't know how to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, I know you have, you have kids and, and young teens. And so I'm sure you, you feel that. I think the most important part to this for me, or one of the most important pieces is that there's a real kind of need for a grieving process of the parents because almost overnight I feel like this teen this this kid that is this cute kid and you're the the center of their world and they love you and and they're they so are excited about what you have to say and and listen to you all of a sudden it's like an alien shows up like like a body snatcher (laughs) you know they're totally different they seem so disinterested and there's a lot of stuff happening in their brain, you know, quite a bit of stuff that, you know, I, I obviously do some research on, on what happens in a teen's brain, but a little bit out of my wheelhouse, but there's just so many changes. They, they're, what they're interested in is far more their social peer relationships than they are their parents anymore. And there's sort of biological reasons to that. I mean, I think evolving, we, we needed to create close relationships with our peer groups because those are the ones that we would be kind of growing into adulthood with and needing to survive with physically. So I think there's sort of these brain things that shift. And, and like you said, too, there's a differentiation process. I need to know who I am. And the way that I know who I am, because I have no idea, is I'm going to start to push against who my parents are because that's who I thought I was this whole time. And so they kind of need to push the limits and the boundaries. And it's, it's that limit pushing, the boundary pushing that helps them start to define and figure out, okay, this is who I am. The, the research itself that I looked into was more around what does a parent do? And what are the outcomes that we know through research for the different sort of parenting styles that are out there? And there's pretty well researched sort of four main categories of parenting, authoritarian, authoritative permissive and neglectful or uninvolved. And could, could, could you, yeah, break those down for yeah, us? Yeah, I, I will. Sure. What that, what those four styles, what they're really measuring are, are two different things. They're measuring uh, parental limit setting and parental support. So it's, it's those two factors that are so important um, for, for kids and especially teens in their development. And depending on if you are really strong in one or weak in another, that separates into four different parenting styles. So that's kind of how it breaks down. So essentially, if we're trying to measure two factors, parental support, which is like, you know, the love, the unconditional love, the, you know, supporting a kid through the different challenges of that developmental stage, you can be high in that or you can be low in that. And then there's parental limit setting, which is kind of boundaries. Um, it's, it's, it's teaching a kid that, you know, there's, there's certain ways, limits to screen time. There's limits to, you know, the language that we use with each other. There's limits to, um, you have to do well in school. These are all these kind of limits and these boundaries in life that they're trying to figure out. Now you're either high in that or you're low in that. And so you can see that you can break down into four different categories. The ideal one would be where you have both. And that is authoritative. It's saying that you, you kind of, you have a good balance of both parental support and the parental limit setting. And the outcomes for, for parents who have both of those are, are pretty good. 
Then there's authoritarian, which is where you have, you're great with parental limit setting, the boundaries, right? But very low or lower in the parental support. And how do you help parents kind of shift from thinking maybe they're like more safety oriented or or they feel like the structure is going to, well, it's hard to shift from thinking of your, your child as uh, constantly evolving and really needing a lot more autonomy. And that involves risk taking both for them, but I think also as a parent, you have to tolerate the discomfort of allowing them to do things that, you know, they, they haven't historically done but kind of need to do like driving or staying out later or going on trips or doing things that could trigger some discomfort within yourself. Absolutely. I think being a parent, I always say it's the hardest job because it's, it's one of the most vulnerable jobs too. This being that you love is going through all these changes and growing and it's external from you. You know, you can't control it. You, and, and especially in these teen years, you have to be able to let them explore to some degree, you know, but you want to be able to do that within boundaries that are safe. So parents who are very good in support, well, we love you, we support you, but are terrible with limit setting. Those are more permissive parents. And there's really difficult outcomes with that. You want to be able to, the visual I like is like you're creating a container, almost like a fence around the house. And within that, you're trying to be supportive, but you've got to make sure that there's a container there. If there's no container, a kid doesn't actually feel safe. And the reason they don't feel safe is because emotionally, there, there's something about learning about internal and external boundaries for all humans that make us feel sort of emotionally safe, that we're contained. A good example of this for younger kids would be a little kid learns to walk and kind of adventures off for a little bit, but needs to come back and see mom, is mom, mom there? Once the independence of running away, but if, if you were not looking for a while, we'll be upset that you weren't paying attention. So little kid needs that kind of container. Well, teen's different. You know, a teen wants to drive in the car. Exactly. <laughs> <And> go, <laughs> like, without you. The car kind of for, yeah, and without you. But the thing is, is that as much as a teen is asserting their independence and probably telling you one thing like, oh, and I don't need my parents and stuff like that, they absolutely do on another level. They would be completely overwhelmed with the responsibility of being an adult. It would crush them. And in fact, you can see that with lots of, um, you know, lots of teens who have, who are kind of forced to be adults too young. It's overwhelming. It's crushing. So a teen needs sort of support in a container that fits for them with where they're at. And obviously different teens are in different places. So a parent kind of has to figure out with each kid, what's the right support and the right container for my kid, the right limit setting. I see. So when, so like when a family comes in and they've got a very defiant teen on their hands, you dive in with the parents to try to understand, okay, and there could be huge conflict or I want to say different parenting style because sometimes, you know, parents are not aligned and maybe one parent might be a lot more permissive and the other one might be much more authoritarian. So do you try to get the parents on the same page and try to see where their levels are at? Yeah, I think that oftentimes a kid comes in or parents bring their kid in, he's being really defiant, you know, what's going on. And I, I think that it's, it's easy to want to just put the pointer or point at the kid and say like, what's wrong with him? Why can't he? But a lot of the times it's in the family system and it's a lot what the parents are doing. Parents can feel like that they're parenting really good. You know, hey, it worked on my older kid. Why isn't it working in this way? But, but sometimes parents don't quite understand that this kid needs a particular type of support or, or, or needs particular limits 
The best way that I can figure that out, though, is I, I literally give them questionnaires, parents. I mean, the, the data for me helps kind of reveal what's really going on. And I give a kid a questionnaire as well. And these are questionnaires that it's what all the research is based on. So I can figure out from that data what the parenting, like each individual parenting, what their style is. And so therefore I can figure out, okay, like you said, is one parent being permissive and the other parents being authoritarian and I've got to get them on the same page. But I can also get a lot of data from the kid and see like, well, what's the the kid struggling with? You know, how do they perceive their parents? Even if the parents are being great parents, how is the kid perceiving that parenting? And how can we kind of make that disconnect? Um, how can we make it work? Because sometimes we're not very good self-assessors. <laughs> you know? Yes, very true. <laughs> like, you know, so... So I like getting some data to begin with. And then it's just some education with the parents. Like, look, this is what your kid needs. This is what, how they're receiving you. It doesn't matter if you think that you're doing it good. And these are the kinds of things that you would need to strengthen, let's say, parental support or strengthen the parental limit setting. Aha. Uh-huh. And then is there a period, let's say if you have a very permissive parent that's trying to improve or move towards authoritative, and that means setting more boundaries and being firm with boundaries, but let's say the teen chafes against that because they've never had it from that parent or it's, it's new. How do you help, I want to say, align that type of equation? Because I could imagine that's, um, that's a common challenge. Yeah, of course. And if you look at it in itself, it is just the boundaries. He or she's pushing the boundaries. Are you serious, mom or dad? Or is this just kind of like, let, let me see if this is for real. You know, and, and probably it's not the first time that kids push the boundaries. And maybe in the past, they've actually broken those boundaries. You know, sometimes parents can be like, well, I tried that for like a week and it didn't work. It's like, yeah, you tried that. Your kid proved that it wasn't a real boundary. You know, kids can feel very upset with boundaries, but in many ways they need those boundaries. They need to push against something. Part of the job as a teen parent, which is hard and it's selfless, is that you need to be the, the one they're pushing against that's kind of like ruining their freedom and how the life that they want. They need that. They need that sense of I've got something to push against. And I think if as a parent, if you can understand that and not, most importantly, not take it personally, then you can actually help your kid quite a bit learn how to emotionally self-regulate in the process because that's what you often learn with those limits and those boundaries. But they need, kids need something to push against. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, part of the psychoeducation is teaching parents like, look, your kid's not a kid anymore. Not just going to listen to what you say and do it, you know, and they're not going to thank you for holding those limits that they need. They're not going to thank you for being the the person that they can push against. Oh, my God. Thank you so much today for letting me push (laughs) against you, mom. That was so helpful. (laughs) They're not going to do that. You have to kind of get your support personally as a parent from your partner or your friends or your therapist or whatever, you know, like pat you on the back and you did an awesome job setting the boundary today. Like you got hammered from your kid, but you did such a good job and you did it. You didn't do it in an authoritarian way. You did it in a really supportive way. You know, you said, I understand you're upset. You can't, you know, drive the car and see your friends tonight. You've got homework to do. And I understand how angry that makes you. Yeah. You can be angry about that. I get that. You know, you can be supportive while holding the boundaries but you're not going to get the acknowledgement from the kid <laughs> anymore. No, definitely not. And I mean, really, the, the, the trick is, is just, I love what you said about not taking it personally and also staying regulated emotionally. But 
I mean, I think that's where the mindfulness piece comes in, at least for me, because it's a long haul. It's not today and tomorrow and next week. It's for the next five, six years. Um, 100%. It is a it is an orientation to get your head around. Yeah. It is like it's getting geared up. Like I, you know, like you said, I teach yoga. Anyone that's taken a yoga class, sometimes you'll be in the class and the teacher's got you in a posture and you're like, all right, get me out of the posture already, you know? <laughs> yeah. And they're having you hold it for a while. Well, there's a big difference to say, well, get me out of this posture I want to be on now versus I'm just going to surrender to this. This is just what I'm doing right now. I can't control this. This, you know, the teacher's got me this posture for this time. So let me just surrender to it. And in doing that, it's actually makes it easier because you're not resisting what's happening. Same thing with the parenting with teen. If you can just accept that, like, okay, it's going to be some, some tough years. You know, it's not, oh, I do one technique and then all of a sudden everything's good for the four or five years that, that I've got them. It's like, no, this is going to be a long yoga pose with my teen. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe when they're in their young adulthood or they start having kids, they'll thank me. They'll be like, oh, hey, thank you so much for that. That was a tough kid. <laughs> but don't hold your breath. That's what you're saying. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, could you tell us a, a little bit, Ian, about the power over versus power with approach? I know that that's floating around and in the uh, conversation. Could you share with us your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the power over to me, if I'm using this model that I use, is sort of more authoritarian. It's kind of a classic sort of European, maybe even our grandparents' sort of way of, of raising kids, like be uh, be seen but not heard. Yeah, hierarchical. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in charge. But the problem with that is that it doesn't offer any sense of support. You know, you're not actually there um, supporting developmentally, emotionally, the challenges. Because, I mean, it's, it's so easy for us as adults to just think, boy, it's so easy to just kind of deal with if you get angry about something or you get upset that something happened, you know, or somebody, a friend didn't call you or sent an uncomfortable message to you or something like that, like to get over it, right? We kind of as adults have had a lot of experience doing that. But for a kid, teen years, for the first time where social stuff is so important, it could be devastating for them to, to not get, you know, asked to go someplace. And I think, it's in those moments that there's a real opportunity to help them grow where they're at. You know, we don't yell at a, a one-year-old who's learning to walk and say, figure it out already. I can run. Like, why can't you walk? You know, you kind of meet them where they're at and you understand that that's development where they, where they are. So I think that sort of old school style of be seen, but not heard. I think the problem with that is that it, it doesn't take into account the, where the kid is at in that moment. To me, if you're, if you're being authoritarian, there's also very clear outcomes as well. You know, it can lead to depression, anxiety, obesity, antisocial behavior. People struggle, people who, who come from parents who have a, a authoritarian styles, they, they struggle with like job retention or even relationships. It's really difficult. And acting out, I mean, uh-huh. and defiance because a child, well, a teen is going to want their, their autonomy and uh, it can be really painful. And it's so interesting. I, I read this article in the Atlantic about the uptick in adult children uh, cutting off their relationships with their with their adult parents, feeling like that there's been such a huge shift in our understanding and our expectations about parenting, that what you're saying, Ian, about that emotional support that, you know, it really shifted from, I, I want to say, 
you know, maybe our conception about parenting, uh, you know, prior to the to the early seventies was that you know your parents feed you, clothe you, get you to school on time, you know, those kinds of things. But now there's this expectation that parents need to be emotionally attuned with their kids. Well, and you can. Here's the thing: we've, in some ways, we would let the pendulum swing the opposite direction. Yes. You yes. know, and 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 I see a lot. I I end up getting and seeing a lot of permissive parents. Yes. You know, they had a parent who was very authoritarian and very strict. And so they said in their mind, they're like, I am never going to be that kind of parent. But then they don't hold the boundaries with the kid anymore. And the kids got problems that way. So like, you, you know, you've got to have a good balance of the two. And it's hard. Yeah, it, it's it's really, really hard. Uh, I agree with you that the pendulum has swung so far, I want to say, to the left. And it's really difficult for, for parents. I think there's that fear. Oh, my gosh, if I set a limit and I hold that limit, my kid's going to hate me or my kid's going to protest or think I'm the worst human being. And what happened to all that attunement? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. trying to connect. <laughs> yes. Well, and you know what? It's funny. I, I work with... so. As you can kind of tell, there's a part of how I work and it's needed is, is sort of parent coaching around this. This is different than working with a kid. Like when I work with a teen, I'm not doing this kind of stuff. That's what they need to go figure out from a parent coach. I need to be the teen's person. And I can't also be telling the parents what to do. The teen would lose trust in me. But if I'm if I'm working with the, the parents, yeah, you, you have to figure this out. You're kind of helping them sort of figure out what was what's their sort of family of origin story. <laughs> themselves like what were they used to and how are they showing up and i think another thing that shows up with with as well is that you get some parents who are really good at the younger ages like you know i I have one um, parent coaching client that i'm seeing now who the the mom was so good at the sort of attunement stuff around being young the dad was kind of like a little bit more disconnected you know he's kind of more um cerebral and and intellectual and like now that they're teens, well, he, the dad's far better at sort of the limits. Mom is really struggling because she's so permissive. <laughs> so it's funny how the, even in developmentally, as a, I think as a, a couple, you could have certain strengths that work at certain ages and then, and then other ones that don't. You know, my job is to be able to help the parents identify what they can work on. And I think, you know, it's one thing to be able to uh, diagnose this stuff in a sense because you get the data and you, and you kind of talk with them and you figure it out. But it's really hard to make changes as a parent. You know, you're you're going against your own sort of um, sometimes, like you said, it could be really uncomfortable for a parent to have a kid be angry at them. It could be really so uncomfortable to feel that tension all the time and to lose that sense of closeness and that feeling like that they were always on the same page. And, oh, my kid loves me all the time. It's really hard. And it's and it's tough to hear hey, you need to be able to tolerate them hating you a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like they, yeah. they need that. Your kid needs to kind of be angry at you because if they can be angry at you, they can externalize that sen- their, their own sense of sort of struggle um, and tension that's occurring with, with this change that's happening in their life. And they get to take it out on you in, in a safe place as opposed to taking it out in – at school with their teachers or um, in relationships or only figuring out, only taking out on on people when they're older. So yeah, it's a tough adjustment for, for parents. I, I, I empathize. (laughs) I'm going through it now. You can, you can, right? Well, let me ask you this. So how do you know, um, you know, I went through a period of time where 
I wasn't sure. I mean, I had a few moments where I thought one of my sons had oppositional defiant disorder. He was going through, I think he was like 13. We were in the middle of it. And I, I didn't know whether it was just a normal degree of defiance or whether it was, you know, it was something something we needed to get help with. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that I think that hopefully, first of all, we're moving more and more in our culture away from this sort of shame around getting professional help. Yes. <laughs> Do you know God. what I mean? Like <laughs> because so much of sort of like parents suffer in silence, you know, but they can't admit that they need the help or, or you know, I think nowadays, particularly in a pretty sort of city like Santa Monica or Los Angeles, like saying you have a therapist, is not a big deal, but saying you have a parent coach probably isn't a big deal either. Um, I'm sure that's still changing in other areas, but I think that that's a really tough time. And, and, and you're a therapist, so you know, quite a bit, you know, like you're, you're very versed in this world. It must've been so, but it's your kids. So it feels sort of more vulnerable and you're not sure. And like to get some support and some outside second opinions, <laughs> you know, would be really helpful at that time to know because I think you're right. You know, you can have, there's a difference between real oppositional defiance and pushing against boundaries and they can, they can look the same and it's, yeah. So if it looks the same, then you can be confused as a parent. Is my kid just being, is there something, is there some kind of real mental health issue here? Or is this just my uncomfortableness with putting boundaries and they're just pushing against them? So I think, I don't know if that's kind of what you were trying to figure out. Like, is my kid really oppositionally defiant? Yeah. I mean, in that case, so it would make sense to come see you and, and get an assessment and try to figure out, okay, what's, you know, what's just my discomfort around setting boundaries or, or right. Are there underlying issues here that I need to pay attention to? And, and, and I do think, I love what you said about, thankfully the, there's less and less of a stigma around getting support because there's so many aspects of life that, you know, we can't be experts in, in everything. And I mean, part of the mission of the show is I felt so bewildered <laughs> entering adolescence <laughs> with, with my kids and uh, really wanted and needed more, more expert advice and expert conversation. And it's, it's, I think to your point, we have to reorient and get curious about what adolescence is like. You know, we spend so much focus, especially in the early years, right, on attachment theory and, you know, the ba those baby years. But then maybe because elementary school time can be for many people just a little bit easier and things can roll along more smoothly. And then suddenly you, you know, puberty and adolescence kind of hits you like a, like a brick wall and you've, you've got to sort of resource yourself. There's no shame in that. I mean, I actually think it's, it's essential now. Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, and, and teens are not going to listen to you anymore in the same way that they did. They're just <laughs> not. Much. When you're, when you have a kid, you can, you can tell a you know, kid comes to you for your advice. If a kid screws up, you know, at school or something, you can say, okay, let's talk about this. You know, you need to do this and this. All of a sudden you have a teen and you try to approach it the same way. And they're like, I'm not listening to you. Like, whatever, you know, and, and you can get frustrated as a parent. Like, why aren't they listening to me? They don't want to hear me. Cause they don't, <laughs> cause that's not where they are anymore developmentally. Okay. Your, your, your teaching to them is no longer going to be this. It's not going to be directive. I direct you how to do this and then you do it. It's, you know, it's not like an employee. You're, you're, the way you're going to teach them 
is by holding the boundaries and being supportive. They're the ones that are going to be bouncing around trying to figure it out. But you lead by example and you show them the proper way to kind of self-regulate with those limits and the support. That's how you're showing them. They're no longer going to listen to you, though. I think, you know, there's one thing that comes to mind that I think is really important that I wanted to say as well around even what you suggested with your with your own kid is that there's this power differential that becomes very evident to um, it's evident in all kids, but it becomes particularly evident with a teen who is really wanting to assert their independence. And the power differential is that they're a kid, you know, legally, even in our country, we have laws around that they don't have as many rights. They don't really have the rights that a parent has and you can make decisions for them. And this is so frustrating for them. And they, they, they get so angry about it, right? Because they're trying to assert that, no, I want to be equal. I don't want to be um, less than in that way. Or at least that's how it might feel to them. The problem is, is that it's true. There is a power differential. So whenever there's a power struggle, a kid is trying to assert that there, there's a power struggle. But the reality is there's no power struggle. There is a big power differential. And you as a parent should never get into a power struggle with your kid. In fact, my advice to parents is if you find yourself in a power struggle with your kid, you've lost already that argument. This doesn't mean that you, you're authoritarian and that you kind of put crazy discipline and you, you know, that kind of, there's no power struggle because I'm the dominant one. It's more that you've got to understand that the limits that you set, you're in charge and, and that's a reality. And so the kid can struggle with that and the kid will struggle with that. But there's no, there's no power struggle on your end because there's no debate there about who's actually in charge, legally, even in our country, who's in charge. But there should be plenty of support and compassion for how hard that is for a kid to accept, especially during those years. And I think that's where my suggestion, it's kind of like you said, it's sort of that being able to self-regulate yourself in those moments is that a kid is going to try to trigger you into a power struggle all the time. And, and if they get you to buy in to that there is a power struggle, then they win and they get a sense of sort of, in the short run, immediate gratification like I won. Look how worked up I got mom or dad, right? But that's actually not helpful. A kid wants to fight against the power, but not win in the long run. Because if they win, then they feel like they're in charge. And if a kid feels the weight of being in charge, that feels completely emotionally dysregulating and overwhelming. That is so profound. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm going to have to sit with that. Wow. Um, beautiful. So insightful. Thank you, Ian. I, incredible insight there. So where can people find you? Uh, I, I imagine uh, you, you are a treasure trove of wisdom for, for parents in the trenches and struggling with this. <laughs> right. Well, I, I have a private practice. People can find me at ianhogue.com. Um, I also do some parent coaching. As I do privately, but I also can do it. I do it through a Visions Adolescent Treatment Center, which I've, I've worked at for years. That's more of a place where there's needs a lot more support, where you really do have an opposition, oppositional defiant kid. Okay. <laughs> you know? But no, they can find me on my website, ianhogue.com. I think there's an email and, and number to call. Okay. And you offer, you see teens and you see, you offer parent coaching. So you, you do both. I do. I think I work with, you know, a bunch of different populations, but my sort of main ones are teens and, and young adults. I like to work with them and then parent coaching. 
Great. Ian, thank you so much. I'm so appreciative. I'm just full of gratitude. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared to, uh, today. This is really helpful. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad. I, I really hope it's helpful for people. I, I really, I want parents to know this stuff. You know, when I learned it all, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much here that I'm sure parents just don't know. And so I, I want, I'm glad that you do the show because I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's a great service to share that this information gets out there. Like you said, there's just, there's no, there's no manual for how to be a parent, <laughs> you know, and, and you got to kind of figure it out on the fly. And, and um, so I think this podcast is great and I'm, I hope that, you know, I'm, I'm glad to contribute and, and hopefully help some parents out there. <laughs> Well, that's it for this episode. Um, we want to thank you, our listeners, for being with us today. You can join us every other week, and we'll continue to unpack the most pressing issues around parenting teens with experts like Ian. You can follow us on at Raising Gen Z on Instagram, and please send us your questions. We always want to hear from you. I'm your host, Shira Myro. Till next time.